0: So I've thought about doing this for a while now, but to be honest, I've been really afraid. I'm somebody who's never really liked being in front of a camera. Um, as a kid, I grew up, and my mom and dad, um, sometimes my dad would travel, and he would teach us how to sing, and I'd always be the one that was like, I just want the one that the role that's going to like kind of blend. I don't want any lead roles. And um, So much so, like even as I got older, my husband and I were pastors for 12 years, and going and like, giving an announcement about... I don't know, like a Christmas concert, I'd get all like emotional and flushed and like <sighs> it, like just feel like so my nerves would kind of build just because I was in front of people. I would get so um, it just emotional because I didn't like being in front of crowds. So the idea of like sitting with people and like sitting in front of a camera and having conversations is just like, it's so intimidating. I'm like sweating here now just thinking about it. Um, and so anyways, I've had this thought to like, meet with people and hear their stories and I've just been so afraid to take the next step because I'm afraid of I think just being here in front of you um so last summer I went on a trip to see my grandma who's 90 years old and she sat with me and she told me um stories about her past stories about her journey from her younger years um from losing babies to losing a husband and I was just like, oh my gosh, grandma, these stories are so rich and so full of so much truth and honesty. I'm like, everyone needs to hear these stories. This is incredible. And um, I think from that moment on, it's been a year since then now, it's like, man, there is something, there's some sort of hum, there's something in me that just like desires to sit and hear people's stories. Um, And then as I think back about my life and think back about The stories that people have been vulnerable enough to share, they've raised me out of my own darkness. Um, There's something about, there's a hum about story. There's a hum about sharing our journeys that reminds us that we're not alone. So I've been sitting with this idea of like, what does this look like? And who would I even ask? And who would even want to be in this space with me where we could just like talk about their story, about our stories? And um, I... It's like, what does that even look like? And what would I call it? Like all the things that probably just, I don't know, they just kind us keeping me away from actually doing the actual thing. And so as I was sitting here, um, just even this morning, thinking about today and, and coming here and chatting and being honest about this journey, I was like, what would I call this time? What would I call these connections, these communication that I'm hoping to um, accumulate and have connections with people about their story about their journey and I think what's really held me in my own story is hearing people in the honesty would be their most nakedness part of them like nakedly pouring themselves out um, about their journey that's actually and sometimes in some seasons it's though people are saying things that have shared their story that has been given me the words that I have not been able to p- articulate truly what I'm feeling um, and it's through their words that I've I've realized that I'm not alone, and it's through their words that I've realized that like, I'm, I'm I'm on a journey, but someone else has also been on something similar. So it's given me the hope that um, I can too come through it. And so I wanted to create this place where we could just, I could have to have conversation with people and we could talk honestly and openly, but whatever comes, whatever comes to mind. Um, and so I've decided to call this Naked, and I come to you with, you know, No makeup because I'm like I think part of this is just for me is just being sitting as openly and um, and honestly as I can and um, so I'm excited to start this journey. Although I'm like sweating and I'm feeling all the things, uh, my heart is like "Ah." Um, I know that like my 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 heart is like this is the next season. This is the next part of your chapter is to sit in this space with people and to sit in honesty and to sit with you. So why am I doing this? I asked myself this question. I think the honest question was to be, would be, is that to for us, for you, to me, for all of us to know that we're not alone. I think in a lot of my journeys, my stories, the chapters in my life, I've felt alone and afraid to be honest about where I'm at. And Too often we sit in a space where we're we're alone, and that leads to a whole bunch of other things and unhealth and um, isolation. And God knows we've had enough isolation this last year that we don't need anymore. So I am excited about this journey, and I feel like everyone has a story, and there's a lot of richness and a lot of um, to honesty. And togetherness and unity in sharing our stories. Um, so I thought what I would do is share a little bit of my story. One of the questions I ask people when they come and we chat is, um, when did it all change? What was the one thing that changed everything? And I think when I think about that, I realize that like there's so many w- moments that changed everything. Um, I think we all have those times in our life where we're just like, well that changed everything and, and then that changed everything. And So the beauty about having these conversations that I'm having with people is like, that's the only question to ask is like, when did it all change? What was the moment? And then it can just unfold like a flower and whatever comes, comes. There's no, there's no, um, obligation or, uh, interview. It's more of like, bring a tea, bring a wine, bring whatever drink you want and let's sit and let's just chat about the journey. Let's chat about when it all changed for you. And so for me, I think there are so many moments that changed everything for me. Um, I became a young mom. Like I was a mom at 22 years old, married at 19. Life was very rapid, very quickly in my early twenties. And so I think that, um, there's many moments that have changed everything. But the one that comes to mind the most is, um, my husband and I had been pastors for 12 years and there was so much goodness in that journey and so much learning in that journey. Um, but what happened in that journey for me too, is I became really good at, I guess I became like somebody who had the need to be needed. So if someone wasn't calling or things weren't, you know, there, you know, there's usually always something happening and there's usually always something to tend to. But if there was quiet, I would find, I would reach out, which was, my heart was pure in the sense of like, I wanted to help people, but i got so good at helping people that I couldn't help myself. And, um, after 12 years, I like, my body was, was breaking and, um we decided that we were going to step down from that position which was extremely heartbreaking to people in our community and also just hard for us because you had this i don't want to say it but um you had a title where you 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 held on and you didn't realize how much you valued that but you held on to that in a sense of like it just it, it gave you a sense of purpose i guess um and so leaving that position was extremely hard and there was a lot of tears that Uh, came out of that. And it was our decision. No one was pushing us out. It just, we just kind of knew that like we needed to take a step back and we didn't know for how long and we didn't know um, what that would look like or um, if we would come back or what the, anything we just knew that like we needed to step down and not knowing really the condition of our bodies, but we knew that we weren't, we weren't well and that for the benefit of our marriage and the benefit of our, our, our own selves and our children that we needed to take this this change and so we stepped down and one of the first things we had we did was Greg had um he had my husband had booked this uh, getaway it wasn't really a getaway because he was going to hear speaker and I was like oh my gosh if I have to hear one more speaker like I had been in church my whole life and um, not that that's bad, I had learned a lot, but I had sat in the front seat and didn't miss when the doors were open for 12 years straight. And I was like, I just don't know if I wanna go hear one more person speak. I just was kind of at a exhaustion state. And we had just told everybody that we were gonna step down. We had everybody that our close-knit people, our leaders to our house and like sat down and explained that we were gonna step down for the benefit of our, of the community, but also for ourselves. Um, we just really needed to get healthy. Um, and not really even knowing what that meant, but we knew that that was something that was that we needed to do. And so um, we went to California, and we went to go hear a man by the name of Rob Bell. And I was just like, had like very little interest in going. My, I was exhausted, and I was like, here we go. So I get there and Greg's like super keen. He like really loves this speaker and I'm just not anticipating it at all. And I sit down and he starts to be so honest and so transparent, which I had not heard um, in this kind of a platform where someone would just come with such honesty. So he sits there and he talks about, he had this church and he talks about how he had to take a step back and how one day his wife came into the living room and he was in fetal position, just in sobs on the floor. And his wife was like, I don't know if he's ever going to get out of this. And he talked about the journey of like his mental breakdown or, you know, awakening all of its one thing. And he's like, you know, the thing about life is that we won't make changes in our life unless we've reached the absolute maximum level of pain that our mind, body, and soul is willing to endure. And that's when we make the change. And those words just like got me in my heart. And I felt like a kindergarten student, like, oh my gosh, pick me. Like, I have reached the maximal level of pain that I can endure. And he said it in such clear clarity that I just, I couldn't help but feel, that's me. Like, I think I've reached my pain level. I don't think I can go any further. And this trip that I was very reluctant to go on ended up being like, giving me permission, I guess. Giving me permission to, to say, yeah, I can't do it. Um, yeah, I'm going to be on the floor. And I remember after that session, Greg and I went to the beach and we lay like with our arms stretched out wide and took some deep breaths and I remember Craig being like, Ah, oh, hun, can you imagine? Just for a moment. Can you imagine what a healthy Monday might look like? And I was like, no, I-, I can't imagine. So then slowly we closed our eyes. And we're like, what would you eat in the morning? Is the sun shining? What do you feel? what do you do after breakfast what are you wearing and we kind of just walked through what at that time would look like the most healthiest Monday I could imagine and that led into us coming home and we have four kids so at the time our youngest was four or five I think and our oldest was maybe 10 or 11 I don't quite remember Um, yeah, it's about ten. It's eight years ago, I think, seven, eight years ago. And so I'm I come home, and I can feel everything in me just like crumble. Like it's like my insides. It's like the floor beneath me just falls out, and I'm just like, I my mind is there's like so much chatter, and I could I could hear all the voices of people that were like, you let us down, and why aren't you here? And I just no one was really saying those things to me, but in my head, I could feel. Everyone that I let down and it just was like so, it was pulsing in my head. To the point that some days I would sit there on the edge of my bed and not be able to get up and like my hands would wound around my hair and I would just pull clumps of hair out of my head because I couldn't deal with the noise in my mind. It was just, it was, it was non-stop. I would go to bed with it, I would wake with it. I eventually ended up seeing a doctor and that ended up being a weekly visit, a check-in, because honestly, um, I couldn't stop the nattering in my brain. All I wanted to do was rest, and the only way I could think to rest was to not be here. And so I sat in the seat of suicide, and the darkness seemed to like encompass me, and it seemed like the safest place to be because I couldn't, I couldn't stop the nattering. I remember my daughter. She was like 11. And she came in and I was sitting on the edge of my bed. And I was just rocking back and forth and my hands wound with hair. Mommy, what's wrong? And I, how do you tell your 11-year-old daughter? And I just cried. And she wrapped her tiny arms around me. And just held me. And just hugged me. And I think it was in those moments that I felt like my feet could feel the ground again. And I felt like I could feel myself again. I remember my dad coming over and he would crawl into my bed beside me and he would just hold me. I hate to say, honey, I've been here. Give it time, baby girl. Give it time. And at the time, I, I, I didn't know if I would ever get up. I didn't know if I would ever drive the car again or do anything. It was like everything in my body just like left. And I just felt so empty and and so lost. And there's so much noise in my head, in my body, that I couldn't stop it. I couldn't, um, I didn't know where to go. And for three months, I didn't leave the house. For three months, I sat on our couch and sat looking at the floor or... I don't know. I was just, I was barely there. And I, Greg was still working at the church and the kids were taking care of themselves, I guess. Lexi, my little, my oldest, such an old soul and she just like pick up, hooked up where I couldn't. And she made, bre- I think the kids ate pancakes like breakfast, lunch, and dinner, or I don't know, weeks probably because Greg's job was so demanding and so he wasn't home very often. And we were kind of coming to the end of that journey. We were, it was September when this happened and we weren't finished until December. And so I think actually, no, we weren't finished until January. So he had all this wrapping up to do and people to meet and lots of meetings. And I couldn't even go to church. Like I felt so bad. I had been such a good trophy wife. I felt like I had been, you know, faithful and on the front row and doing the things and leading choirs and children's church and, cafes and youth groups and I was just like so involved I didn't miss anything and all of a sudden it was like flatline. like I wasn't there I couldn't I didn't know how to like dress myself never mind leave the house and people were obviously confused by this because I'd been there and now I'm not there and so that that guilt and that oh the shame was just like almost too much to bear I just felt like I didn't know if I could efface anyone. I just was such a failure. It felt like I was such, so just ashamed that I I couldn't even take care of my kid. I couldn't even make breakfast, let alone go and be anything for anyone else. And if you're someone who leads something, you know that when you lead something, you're not going to get a hug. You're going to give one, especially in the church. You go there to give out of yourself. People love you, but You have to extend in a way that um, it it absorbs all of you. And so for three months, I sat on our red couch. It was like nested by the the window, but the blinds were closed and I never opened them. And I had people that would come over and be like, when are you going to open these blinds to now? How long are you going to sit in this? And they try to open the blinds and I just would like, oh no, like it was almost like light was sound and it just like hurt my head I just I couldn't handle the sound I couldn't handle the light it just was too much my only outing was when Greg would take me to the doctor and I would sit there and click off like how am I feeling is suicide still at the top of that list is that my only out and it was extremely painful um I didn't I didn't see, I didn't see the, the leaves change color. I didn't see them slowly fall. I didn't see snow come. I went from early September until the end of December before I opened the windows and was able to go outside and feel the fresh air. I, I sat. And when was in that sitting season, I slowly found my way. I slowly found my way towards my awakening but it came in being patient it came in my husband just like holding me and we would dance in the moonlight in the kitchen and I would just be like a shell of myself and he would hold me and and he'd remind me that I'm still alive I'm, I'm still here and he'd kiss my neck gently I was like just feeling the air his breath would bring me back to the ground again I remember sitting on the couch and at the time we had a record player which we never played because we were so busy that we never really had the time to play it but now that I was sitting on the couch as record player was getting well used and there was this song that came on by Mumford and Sons and the song was called Awake My Soul Soul. and as it would spin and say, Awake my soul, Awake my soul it's like I could feel my body slowly stirring I could slowly feel my soul slowly waking it was like in those moments I could just feel God holding me and loving me despite the shame and the guilt that i had that i could no longer be this woman that i had that i had been strong and dependent and showing up at everything and reliable but as i sat there yeah i just felt my soul just slowly rise and it was like churning like slowly like yeah slowly, wistfully, wistfully, this this breeze came and I could feel it enter my heart. I could feel it enter my soul. And I remember someone, actually, um, Rob had recommended a book when I was there called Let Your Life Speak. And later on, as I got through part of that journey, like probably halfway through those three months, I started to read this book that he recommended by Parker Palmer. And it's called Let Your Life Speak. And this book, like I am not a reader. I am not somebody who sits down and reads. I am, I'm a doer. I like do things, and so reading just was something I never really had time for. My, I, I felt like when I would read, I would never actually be in the moment of reading. So I would forget what I had just read, and that nothing really sunk. And so when you read something, and it's just like basically it's just blank pages, why would you spend time doing something that's not really affecting you because you're not actually hearing the words but this book I had the stillness and I had the space and so when I could I would open the book and I would read and this man spoke about his mental breakdown and his journey and it was like he said things that I like I referenced earlier on that I I'd never had words for but I felt it and now he had put the words to it and I could feel it it was like this book became a lifeline of this man's honesty about his journey and I was like I would just soak it up and sometimes I'd read the same page for three weeks I just would sit and I would just stop because everything he said just made I felt everything in my bones I just I just he said it in ways that made sense to me that was what I was feeling but couldn't articulate and so in this journey of this churning of this like breath of fresh air just like washing over me and slowly coming to a place where I could open the blinds I could see the sun and it it didn't it wasn't noise I could I could see people and it 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 didn't create a mass amount of anxiety, slow, baby steps. But the the journey was dark and lonely and not people knew because... How do you explain? Like, I'm not doing okay, and not only that, but I sit on the seat of death every single day, every single minute of every day because I don't know how to close the noise. I don't know how to shut out the chatter. I am broken in ways I cannot explain and so that took that journey was about three and a half months but I'd say the journey of like coming out of that mental break where you just feel like getting a glass of water feels like someone's asking you to climb Mount Everest and so you're not sure you can walk across the kitchen and get a glass of water because you are so burnt out we were so broken and my journey out of that took a long time and it took people holding me it took my dad reminding me that baby girl it takes time and he had walked through the same journey but I didn't know I knew glimpses of my dad's story but I didn't know that like he'd had a mental breakdown he had collapsed on a stage he was hospitalized they didn't know if he had a heart attack his body felt broken he's everything was twitching on the inside to the outside and I think in knowing that I knew that my if my dad could come through I could come through it at some point that light changed, and I was like no like him sharing that is like breathing life and breath into my bones into my body and it reminded me that like I wasn't alone in this I think that's why I'm so eager to sit here and so eager to have conversations with people and to hear their stories because it's through the breath of someone else's story that it liberates others who are sitting in their own darkness, their own pain, their own loneliness to go, hey, you're not alone. Hey, I got you. I'm holding you. I think that's what inspires us. That's what gives us hope and courage. That's what reminds us that we're loved, that we're seen, that we're enough. So that's why I want to sit here and talk and hear people's stories. Some might be funny and hilarious. Some might make us cry. But there's something beauty in the art of story. There's something beauty in sharing our chapters. There's something about people sitting together and knowing, hey, you're not alone. Hey, me too. And I think that's what really helped me out of it was, was one, having my children hold me and love me, even though I didn't know how to hold them in that season. And it was like people saying, hey, I've been there too. And let me just hold you. I think the other was reading things, reading Parker Palmer, hearing Mumford and Sons. Clearly, they had been in a space where, like, they were dry, where it was dark, and, like, they were woke. And in them telling that story through a song, I just could feel my heart wake, feel my heart open. And slowly, I walked away, walked away from this dark, dark space into this light. Or I could like smell the fresh air again. Or I could drink a glass of water and feel it in my body. Or I could eat and not feel like my stomach was going to throw everything up. And I think what my journey on that, my journey towards my awakening, my mental health journey is that I realized that so much of my life was given to good things. I did good things. I wasn't doing anything bad really. I mean, I was helping people with their babe newborn babies. I was a birthing coach for some people. Um I was leading curls choirs. I was helping young teens. I was Um, running a mums and Tots group. Um, I was washing people's feet at homeless shelters. Like, there were so many good things wrapped up in those 12 years that no one's going to be like, hey, you need to stop doing the good things because, like, it's not good. But the thing I realized is that in the pursuit of doing the good things, I completely lost touch with the great. And the great, the great is this. The great is this. The great is my marriage and my children. Those 12 years, we I could probably count on one hand how many times we sat at the dinner table together and as a family we ate and we communicated. I remember Greg and I attempting to go on dates and not knowing what to talk about other than the church, the people we had lost touch we had become so good at being roommates that our conversations were dry and so we lost each other I like I lost me I lost touch with this girl and so as she is like giving me signs and saying like hey I can, I can almost feel like the tapping like you need to slow down like you need to take a breath like this is not good and I could feel my body and as much as she would be talking to me I would run faster being like if I stop I don't know if I'll ever get to go again so I need to just run harder, stronger faster, wider. Give, give, give. And I did. And those, there was a lot of beauty in those seasons but through it it, just became, it, it just became all of who I was. I lost track of who I was in giving and doing that I didn't even know there was a great because I couldn't see beyond my current. And I remember when we stepped down and we went shopping we went shopping for a table and our house was set up in a way there wasn't really a room for a table so, we actually moved our living room out of our main floor and turned our living room into our dining room. And we sat and we ate food and we made food and we talked and we played games and we laughed. And church for our family was being together. We would take Wednesdays and we would like, tonight is going to be night where, I say, Ellie, you're in charge. I remember one time she was in her little four-year-old body. She like brought all these stuffed animals downstairs. And she's like, I want you guys to pick one stuffed animal that reminds you of you. And so I was like, okay, this is Ellie's night. So we pick a stuffed animal and she's like, now I want you to take a paper and I want you to write down all of the things that are unique about you. It's a four-year-old four-year-old and like I remember writing what was unique about me taking that break and stepping away and going through all that I went through and taking the shame of stepping away from this thing that we were supposed to take over this church that we were supposed to take over that, those moments that we listened to our souls and stepped away from those things allowed us to see our kids, allowed us to see ourselves and our marriage. And it wasn't easy. But we got to feel and know God in ways we never knew. We got to see what our four-year-old daughter was thinking. And then as she was like, I think you're unique because of this. And I think you're unique because of this. We just, there was so much connection that we had lost that we didn't have, that was found. And that season, that journey forever has changed the dynamics of our family, the dynamics of the way we see ourselves, the way we value our time, the way we give, the way we live, um, I think we're always still learning. I know we always are still learning and the journey isn't easy, but there was a bond. There was a connection that happened within our bodies that allowed us to sit there and hear each other, to laugh with each other, to not be busy all the time, to enjoy each other's space. And, you know, one thing with parenting is you don't know what you're doing. There's no handbook. So you're just like trying to figure it out and there's no guidebook. And you hope that what you're doing is the right thing for your family, for your kids, for your marriage, for yourself. And I think as we look back and I know that, you know, we've talked about this is like as hard as that decision was, as hard as going through the journey of sitting on the seat of darkness and death there has been such an awakening that has risen in our bodies. There is such a connection between our kids, and honesty, a realness. And I feel like we found the great. We've we realized what the great is. And when we're in our life and, you know, the, I always say to the kids, it's like you can feel like alert, 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 like your body is like something's not right. It's I feel like we're a lot more... Um, patient and listening and going, okay, what's not right? What doesn't feel right here? And we're quicker to listen and slower to run away from that voice. So, yeah, life has stories. So many chapters, so many stories built into one life. And I just felt compelled to sit and be honest not only about my story, but to create a space for people to come and be honest about their own. And I'm sweating and I'm scared and I get all teary eyed about it. But this knowing inside of me just won't leave me. And so I'm leaning in and trusting beyond my own fears and my own questions and saying, here I am. I want to live nakedly. I want to live openly and honestly as others have done for me because it has saved my life. It has saved my marriage. It has saved my kids. And for that purpose, for that reason alone, that's enough for me. It's enough. So. I'm going to show up here with my sweating and all and have conversations, people and drink tea and drink a glass of wine and celebrate life and sharing our stories and being real about who we are and the corners of our life that people don't know. And I'm excited. Like this kind of thing is As much as it makes me scared, I am beyond excited. I feel honored that people would sit and share their stories with me. I feel very grateful that people will be open. Um, I feel humbled that people are saying yes to sit with me so you can hear our stories. And maybe you can feel less alone. Maybe you can feel loved and seen and adored. Maybe you can know that you can have the courage and the hope. Maybe you know that you're not alone. And for that, this is enough. This space is enough for you, for me. Because don't we need to know that we aren't alone on this journey that we need each other that we have each other because you're important and I'm important and the world needs more honesty the world needs more connectivity the world needs more real so I plan to come naked, freshly out of the shower this morning, honest and real, to have conversations. And I hope that you feel held in this space and feel loved. Thank you so much for joining me on this journey, for taking the time out of your beautiful day to sit and listen with me. I love you. I love me. I am grateful for the journeys that I've been on, and I'm grateful for those that have shared and held me in my own darkness. I hope that you have a beautiful day.